Hey everybody and welcome to the Empathy Podcast. My name's Leanne Butterworth and today we are talking to Emma Evans about empathy and human resources. And moving forward from our discussion, it looks like empathy is an integral part of human resources and has to be in order for HR professionals to get the most out of their professional life, to get the most out of their role, but also for businesses to thrive, they need empathetic HR, empathetic leadership, and HR needs to be a part of the leadership roundtable. This is the Empathy Podcast. My name's Leanne Butterworth. For all the empathy training that we talk about today, you can find us at empathyfirst.com.au. Hey everybody, my name's Leanne Butterworth. Welcome to the Empathy Podcast. Now today, a little bit different again, so every time it's different, we're talking about empathy and HR. So empathy and human resources. And I have a lot of questions here, so stick with us today. I'm speaking with Emma Evans. Now, according to Emma's LinkedIn bio, here we go, Emma. Emma (laughs) is an experienced HR generalist with global business experience specializing in culture change and transformation, human resource strategy, organizational development, employee relations, talent acquisition, remuneration, benefits, learning development. But she is also an empathetic people leader with proven success in establishing strong relationships built on trust and respect. Now, based on that, Emma's my girl. So welcome, Emma. (laughs) Thank you, Leanne. I'm I'm really interested in today because I think, and you'll have to forgive me because my experience of human resources is from government. Like back mm-hmm. in the day when I worked for government and hospitals, that's my experience of HR. Now that was 15 years ago, so things may have changed. But in my experience, some of the least H people in worked in HR. So there was a lot of human missing out of HR. So what I want to get to today is questions firstly for empathy for HR. I want to know what it's like to be in HR, why people be in HR, because I don't know why, but we will get to that. And also empathy from HR. So I want to know the value of empathy and being an empathetic HR professional. So that's what I'm hoping to get out of today. Fantastic. What do you reckon? Sounds good. Sounds really good. So where do you want to start? Let's start with why HR? What drew you to HR? Look, there isn't anything specific that actually drew me to HR. It's kind of been a bit of an evolution from my career. And I think that being a really sort of naturally a people person, I was really drawn towards HR activities. And that really sort of included the interaction with people and helping people and really putting people at the forefront. And I I think naturally I'm I'm that type of person anyway. And, And as my career sort of evolved, it just kind of went into the direction of HR. So it certainly wasn't something that I had purposefully planned. Um, 
But I think sometimes that's the way sort of careers work. I think that you sometimes are just naturally drawn towards something that is important to you and sits really well with you as as a as, as a values sort of perspective. And and that's sort of why I sort of eventually sort of my career sort of guided through and I eventually got into HR. And I think it was just that 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 like you said, that human element or that people element was something that I really connected with on quite a number of different levels and it was just something that I naturally gravitated to. Yeah, gotcha. Is that pretty common in the HR space or are there kids growing up going, I want to be in HR? And they, like, is it people gravitating to it or people really championing it from uni? I think there's, I think there's two parts of it, really. I think that the first part of it really is that, you know, if you, if you go through the, the university pathway, if you do a business degree, as an example, there is finance that you can, that you can major in, there's business management you can major in, there's HR. So I think that that's maybe one strong channel that, that actually directs people into HR. And then I think from a career perspective, like I've done, I mean, I didn't do my, my degree until much later. So my career pathway was already hitting in the direction of HR. And then I backed that up with a degree. So I think that there are oh, two, yeah. two different avenues people actually fall into HR. Either it's, a, it's something that you choose as a major in, in university and that's just the pathway you start to hit on or it's something that you, you, uh, you, your career guides you into and then you start to sort of gravitate that way. Yeah, I think gotcha. that... I've kind of been reflecting on the last few days and thinking about what does HR mean within a business and and especially what do people, how do people see HR? And I I actually think that HR kind of used to sit in the background quite a bit. So there wasn't a lot of focus or there wasn't a lot of knowledge known about what HR actually did. but I think nowadays it's becoming much more to the, the forefront of the business and, and much more active where people can actually see the reasons or, or the, the benefits of actually having a really strong HR function or a strong HR practitioner within the organisation. So it's much more transparent than what it actually used to be. And, and what is it? So what is the, the core role of HR? Look, I mean, this is uh, this is my view. I think that there are different parts of HR. I think historically it used to be very transactional and very much in the background. So it was very compliance orientated, very sort of the carrot and stick kind of, you know, you have to do this and these are the rules and this is what you need to comply to. And I yeah. think that there's quite a significant shift now where that compliance piece is, is is certainly important and it does have a it has a place at the table in HR. But I think that the way that we approach that is very different. So I think that the shift now is is moving away from a transactional role to very much an influential voice within the business when it comes to planning around strategies for people and, and how does that drive and motivate culture of the business and 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 the organization so what that does is it provides a new opportunity for hr now to really be involved in areas within the business that previously it hasn't so it's really shifted like i said from that transactional type Mm. of role 
to a very much a strategic role. And I think that's where HR is coming to the forefront with being able to have much wider conversations within the business and being able to sort of reinforce that importance of having a seat at the leadership table. And I think this is quite different. I think HR was always not necessarily a partner within the leadership, but was always a subset of where now I think HR needs to sit at that leadership table and needs to have a voice and be very much a part of those strategic discussions. Yeah, absolutely. So is that where the evolution perhaps, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is that where the evolution to people and culture has come or is that completely separate or is it, what's the? I I think, yeah, I think that's definitely where it has come from. I think that the way that I think even the way that our people within our business view organisations now are really different. So if you think about 20, 30 years ago in the, say, the 70s, 80s and 90s, you know, people were getting married younger, they were having families, having, you know, financial commitments such as a mortgage, you know, in the early to mid-20s, which means dependence on job security was a, a really high priority. So that therefore cultivated an HR role where it was very transactional. So it was very compliance driven. It was it it, it really wasn't around people and culture. It was more around compliance. But nowadays, I think that people are having more flexibility. So their lifestyle choices are changing. They're staying at home longer, which means that they are not necessarily tied down financially. They have different views of marriage. They have an overall sort of different views of of what their lifestyle choices should be. And what this means is that the expectations of the younger generation coming through is very different to how it used to be previously. Mm. So what that means is that, especially from an HR perspective, we also need to change and shift the way that we manage our people and the way that we think such as attracting talent or retaining talent. So what this also means then is that the job of HR has shifted quite quite significantly and there's been a whole transformation there around transactional to very much a partnering within the business, but also to partnering within partnering up with the people inside the business as well to really get an understanding of what's important mm. to them, what, what motivates them and what drives them and, and how can we adapt our ways of working so that we are attracting and retaining the right the right kinds of talent within our business so in many ways the the shift of power has has sort of changed from the organizations 20 years ago and having all the power by by people needing a job and 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 having those those commitments to to actually you know needing to have that, that that job security to nowadays that shift of power where organizations need to have a really good brand positioning to attract the right talent they need to invest in in the right training and development which is is purposeful and and has meaning to the individual have a really clear career opportunities that are outside the traditional moving up the ladder so the ways of working even and and the way that hr needs to sort of work within the the organization has shifted quite significantly yeah, gotcha. So then what's your favourite bit of the job? Oh, there's lots of favourite parts of the job. Look, I think my favourite part of the job is when everything starts to come together. So you, you you know, you see people interacting, you see people that are are really engaged and, and happy in their job and 
you know, that is the part that I really like about the business, about the role, because I know that, you know, if you're doing your job the way that you need to in HR, then what you're doing is you're a catalyst for that engagement, for people to be successful, for the business to be successful. And that's that's my favourite part of the job is, is, you know, when you can see that happening, you know that from, from an HR perspective that you've got happy, happy employees and you're yeah. actually things are working and, 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 and the culture of the business is actually shifting in the direction that it needs to be and should be. And that's, that's I suppose, my favourite part of the job. Yeah. Go the flip side. What's your least favourite? What, <laughs> what are the stresses of being HR? Because yeah, we, look, we see them as quite stressed people. Yeah, I look at there are, you know, and I think in HR, you know, you work with people at their most happiest times as well. So, you know, when you're giving promotions or when you are having opportunities or or training up people and people are really thriving, I mean, that is the that is the ultimate part of the job. You get a real high from that. But then on the flip side of that, you know, when there are challenges within the business and you are having to manage people through those challenges as well, and, and that could be, for example, you know, if you have to do layoffs, it's it's very very hard I mean it's it's emotionally taxing because you build relationships with people they trust you you have a connection and it's very very difficult sometimes to actually have to have those conversations because you really feel for the people you know you have to have that element of empathy there to actually sit there and feel with them at the same time it's it can be very difficult yeah. And are there supports for for HR like do people recognize the difficulty and stresses of HR and like do you have your own support because at the moment it feels like oh just go talk to HR but who yeah. does HR go and talk to who's their support it's yeah that's a really good question there I think that if you work in, a, in an HR team then you've got each other to support I think the most difficult is when you don't have that when you are the only HR person that sits inside that inside that organization because because there's so much confidentiality around what you do you have to be extremely careful in regards to what you say and what you share and with whom so you're very very limited in regards to who you can actually talk to and that's that can be at times extremely isolating, but also too you have this responsibility as well to not demonstrate any concerns or worries that you might have on the outside to the business too, because obviously people are watching you. So you also mm. have a responsibility to, in some ways, not put up a facade, but not to get people concerned within the business unnecessarily, if that makes sense. Mm. So I suppose there is a lot of different emotions and, and challenges that come with this role and how you manage that or how you cope with that can be very different for different people. So really understanding, I think, some coping strategies or mechanisms for you as an individual, how that you want to manage that. Do you have a an outlet or something that you can do or go to which actually centres you? I think yeah. it's really important. Having somebody that you are able to talk to, obviously, the most in the most confidential and, and and ensuring that it's appropriate but making sure that there is somebody that you can actually talk to is also really important as well and and so it is really around building those coping strategies from from a, a individual perspective as well but then also too 
if you're working within a team, it's also ensuring that you are checking on other people within the team as well and ensuring that they are okay. And that's also extremely important because I think in my experience, a lot of HR people that I've met are naturally people person and natural sort of nurturers in many ways, which means they put other people before themselves. So it is really about taking stock, about asking yourself, am I okay? And making sure that you do that on a regular basis and and getting to understand your limits from an emotional perspective, from a physical perspective as well, because, you know, you can get quite drained at times, depending on what's happening within the business. So just making sure that you are aware of your limits as well is also really important. Yeah. What's the role then for HR of empathetic leadership? Look, I think, again, empathetic leadership is is extremely important nowadays because, again, it has changed from that carrot and stick. Do as I say, not as I do. And I think that a leadership perspective, what empathy does is it opens the doors, so to speak, where it allows you to show vulnerability as a leader, which I think is important at the right time. Because what that does is that it therefore allows transparency. It also allows you to be genuine in your leadership style. It also allows you to connect with people on 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 an individual level, which I think is really important. So being able to be empathetic towards other people allows that person to see a side of you as a leader, which is very humanised. And I think that's important. I mean, sometimes, especially when you've got younger people coming into an organisation and they they can get quite intimidated by by a leader. So, you know, somebody will walk in the room and they they don't want to talk to them, they get all nervous because they're not sure how to act or, or, you know, they think that they're unimportant in comparison to that leader. And I think that if you're able to be a genuine leader and, and be able to show empathy and show transparency and and being genuine it breaks down those barriers so that people are much more open they are much more engaged and therefore productivity and performance improves yeah so by the sound of it we're talking about the same definition of empathy because i know that there are a few out there the one that we use here at empathy first is the ability to share and understand the feelings of another person and respond appropriately So it's not jumping down the hole with them. If someone's having a bad day, you don't go down there with them necessarily. It's not going, I know what you're going through. That's not empathy. But it's sharing and understanding their feelings, responding appropriately, which is to the most of the time is making that person feel heard, valued and visible. Exactly. And if if you can do that piece and that's everything that we try to teach and or that we do teach and that we get out there is that, make people feel heard and valued and visible. And that in itself is an act of vulnerability. It doesn't mean you have to tell the person your life story. Mm-hmm. It means that you've got to be okay with sitting there and listening and not giving advice and not intellectualizing and not dismissing them because that in itself is an act of vulnerability. So by the sound of it, we're talking the same language, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it reminds me a few years ago when I was working for a consulting company, we threw around this idea of the humble consultant. 
So the humble consultant persona was really about stripping yourself back so that your motivators or drivers are built upon a base of respect, of listening, learning, sharing, and empowerment. Yeah. So it's it's about dropping your ego monster that we can, you know, can sometimes wear its ugly head, but simply being humble and empathetic in your in your interactions with others. I consider how do we sort of look at empathy or or implement empathy or better ways of, of listening, especially in HR. Mm. And you know, there are some wonderful exercises and activities that you know we can do as either individuals or even as a group to help understand what does empathy mean in a business context. But also, how can we improve our listening skills? So when I used to sort of work in this consulting company, I was working as an instructional designer and a facilitator. And we rolled out several sort of different programs, which also included techniques for what we then called active listening. So what the active listening meant really was that you were basically you were just present when someone was speaking to you that, you know, you had no distractions. So you put your phone on silence. It was away from sight. You were able to, you know, sit with them. So you put enough time aside for the conversation. You held it in a location that was appropriate for that. And things like mirroring body language, eye contact, all of that sort of stuff, it really helped to enable a conversation where that person felt heard and they felt respected. You sort of were really showing a really strong message that they're important and what they had to say was important to you. Yeah. So what's the what's the value then of having empathetic HR and not just robots who do their job? Yeah. So look, I think the the relationship the 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 benefits is the relationship side of it. Historically, HR used to sit behind a closed door and you never saw them. I remember working in my first large organisation. I never saw HR once. They were just this, I don't know, this title and that was it. So I think that the benefits and the value here is that you actually get and interact with individuals. You're actually visible. So there's that visible leadership there, which I think is really important, especially from an HR perspective, because that's when you start to break down all of the stereotypes that can be built up around HR. Yeah. Get you know, getting people to to know you as a as a person, getting people to understand that you are um, interested in what they do, that you you know their name, that you can say hi, that you are actually a, just a human. And I think that's the that's the benefit of of sort of having empathy injected into a part of HR is that you actually can build some really genuine relationships at that yeah. individual level and get to understand the people much better. Are there then flow on effects like benefits for the business? Absolutely. I mean, if you've got happy, engaged people, then you've got performance. It's as simple as that. If people are not happy, if they're not engaged, then you've got high turnover, which is a, a huge cost around recruitment and retention. You have a culture within the business and creations of subcultures as well, which can be really detrimental when you're, especially if you're trying to build up a, a culture within the business that is really positive, it can be extremely hard. So the benefits for the business is, is twofold. Yeah, absolutely. Are there challenges and resistance like within within HR at the moment to building those relationships, to going down this path of empathy and vulnerability? 
I don't think there is. I think what there, I mean, I think the challenge is now is the how. So we understand why it's important. We understand what needs to be done from a long-term perspective. So I think that a lot of it is being integrated into the vision of, of, of the business, but it's like, well, how do we actually do that? And I think yeah. that's some of the challenges um, nowadays that HR will be facing is that is that how piece. So let's solve that for them. Yeah. So, <laughs> So what's, I mean, if you had, if you had, let's say a mentee, if you're mm. a mentor, you had a mentee going, look, I've heard all about this empathy thing. I know I want to build relationships, but I've no idea where to start. And I'm a bit afraid of it. Mm. What's your, what's your take on that? Look, I think it has to start with the individual, to be honest. If you're open and honest with yourself, then I think that's the first step. If you have these insecurities or if you if you don't feel like you are comfortable enough to be able to connect or you are resistant to that then I think it's going to be very difficult in order to be able to to shift a culture or, or a function or even yourself in the direction of of being empathetic so it has to start with the individual and it's hard work sometimes it can get uncomfortable it's about putting yourself, I suppose, or putting a mirror up to yourself in many ways yeah. and facing areas of either yourself personally or whether, you know, whether it's a career perspective, yeah. where it can be uncomfortable. And I think yeah. that's that's sort of the starting, starting point of that. But I think also too, I think that the benefits of that is, is from a personal growth perspective, it'll actually help provide you clarity yeah. on what's important to you and and therefore moving forward from there as well yeah absolutely i mean as you know i mean i teach i teach empathy i've got empathy fundamentals which is an online course but when we do that we talk about well why is empathy important and we've just talked about that now the benefits to the individual the benefits to the business we talk about what is it we've covered that today but the next step we don't talk about what to say the next step for us is always self-reflection and self-care mm -hmm. Mm, so it's mm. what are your beliefs about emotions? What do your beliefs about emotions at work? What is, what do you believe about vulnerability? What do you believe about empathy? And once you start answering those questions of how do you feel when you're when you feel dismissed? What how do you feel when somebody genuinely listens to you? That's always our next step is that self reflection piece, and and then we can teach you how to communicate that we teach you sort of how to listen and then we teach you how to talk so it's the last step for us is what to say yeah but it, it always starts with self-reflection because if you're uncomfortable with emotions or uncomfortable with vulnerability that's not a one-way street you can't just expect people to be vulnerable with you but not in return yeah or if you think emotions don't belong at work and somebody's trying to be emotional you're going to have a very different reaction doesn't matter what the what the action plan says yeah and it's really interesting because you know especially in hr and, and like i said earlier you're interacting with people at times at their most vulnerable mm. point and you have to be comfortable with that because if you're not comfortable with that, it's actually going to make that other person really uncomfortable as well. So I think that it, for me at least, it was learning to be 
to be as comfortable as possible in the most uncomfortable situations. (laughs) Really, it is what it is. You just need to, it doesn't mean you have to accept the you know except that you know no. I'm all, I'm going to get to the point where I'm totally comfortable with it because you're not and if you no. are comfortable with it then I think that's when some self reflection needs to happen yeah. I think sometimes in those really difficult and challenging conversations it doesn't get any easier it's always going to feel unsettled internally yeah. Yeah. but I think that you just have to feel comfortable in many ways that that is the feeling that you're going to have and accept that it is what it is. But I I completely agree with you. I think that that self-reflection part is is so important because at the end of the day, you need to put yourself aside. It's not about you. It's actually about the other person and that individual and what's happening to them. And so therefore you need to put whatever you're feeling to one side in order to just be present in that moment with that individual. Yeah. And then the the second part that we look at is that how to respond appropriately, because I think especially in HR, if you are the trusted voice, like if you are that Mm. trusted, you are the guy, you are the go-to guy and everybody knows that you're good, then that reputation is going to spread throughout the organisation. If you make someone feel dismissed, they tell you something vulnerable, you make them feel dismissed, they're not telling you anything ever again, they're probably going to tell their colleagues you're not the person to talk to. And that I'm assuming from a career and a business point of view can be stressful and disastrous. It can be, absolutely. And I think that's where, again, it just comes back to, it comes back to experience as well. So we've all got to have that first conversation. And especially in HR, when you're working with people, there are a lot of times when it is a first conversation because you never know what's going to come up and what's going to arise. And it is really hard. I mean, it's it was interesting. I, I had some coaching earlier this year and I was kind of thinking about what are some of the topics that I want to talk about or what are some of the areas that, you know, from an HR perspective that I, I really want to start exploring through my coaching sessions. So at my first coaching session, I, I, I said to my coach, look, you know, I've been thinking about what we can discuss and I'm not 100% sure about, you know, some of the areas that I want to talk about. So let's, you know, have a discussion. And through the discussion, he shared with me that he was coaching other HR people. And some of the areas that have come up through the coaching, which are very similar, is around feeling comfortable from an HR perspective about not knowing the answer straight away. Mm, Absolutely. that was something that really connected with me as well. And I think it's something that we, I think as, as HR people, I think sometimes it's this expectation that we know the answer straight away. Like it's just, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes the situations that come up are a first for us. And to ensure that we do the right thing for everybody it's actually okay to to stop and say, can I come back to this? Let, yeah. let me look at this or investigate this a little bit more yeah. and, and then get back to you. Because yeah. there are some situations that are quite repetitive in many ways. So they, they're quite typical and they come up and, you know, you can cancel and give some guidance around that. But there are occasions where, you know, you just, it's it's, it's a first sort of situation and, and yeah. it can be quite grey in HR as well. So yeah. you need to be extremely careful around what guidance you give, especially to managers and individuals around the next steps as well. Yeah. And I think there's probably two parts to that. The first one is 
I mean, we talk about this as well. We say, oh, thank you so much for telling me that. I don't know how to, especially if it's something vulnerable, I don't know how to respond to that, but this is really important that you told me. Let's figure it out. Let me get back to you. I'm not letting this go. So that's one part of it because that person then knows that you've actually heard what they said. Correct. I think the other part then is, like you said, there are lots of things that are very repetitive. And I think from an empathy point of view, one of the risks, and correct me if I'm wrong, one of the risks might be you've heard it a lot of times, so you automatically go into advice mode. Mm. So instead of listening to the individual and then giving a considered response, you kind of go, oh, I've heard this before, here's what we need to do. Do you, is that a is that a risk? Yeah, look, I think it is. It's a, a quick fix, you know what I mean? Mm. Like if you know the answer because, you know, it's it's something that's, that's quite typical or something that, you know, comes up quite often. So it's very easy to, to sort of, I'm going to say be dismissive, mm-hmm. but it's not dismissive necessarily of the individual. It's more dismissive of the situation because it is yeah. so typical that you can give them some guidance very quickly. I think what we've got to be really careful of too, though, is when I think about it is it's not necessarily the fact that it is only typical, but also too, if you are under time constraints as well, sometimes you want to sort of get things through quite quickly. So you can kind of push, you know, you can kind of rather, rather than use it as a coaching opportunity for a manager, as an example, to actually help coach them through let's sit down and discuss this and using it as a coaching opportunity, which I think is the right thing to do. Sometimes Mm. it is more of a a, a tell situation. Well, this is what you need to do and just sort of tell them the steps to take rather than using it as a coaching, a coaching opportunity for a manager. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's a sort of a few things that sort of, sort of can be linked to that. Is there such a thing as proactive HR where you, because I have this sense of HR, they're behind the closed door. Like you said, if I have a problem, I have to go to HR, potentially have a vulnerable conversation with someone I don't know very well. Mm. Is there proactive HR where HR is getting out there and getting to know the Like, is that a thing? Oh, look, I think it is. I think it's much more practice now than what it used to be. So proactive HR is about getting away from your desk and actually mm. going down to that shop floor and having a conversation with the guys mm. on the floor and asking them how their day is going and just observing, observing interactions between people within the business to see what are the interactions, what do they look like? Do the people look like they're engaged or do they look like that they're quite dismissive of each other? So it's really getting into the business at that ground level and, and mm. really observing what's actually happening. There's also now, I think, a lot more proactive engagement surveys that are happening. I mean, the classic great place to work used to happen once a year. And by the time the results come through six months later, you're preparing for the next survey in another six months. Nothing actually happens where there's a lot more pulse surveys that are happening now that are two-way engagements. So, So, people are sort of engaging a lot quicker and a lot faster and and that organisation has really got their hand on the pulse of the organisation to really get an understanding if their people are happy and what's working, what's not working, what can be improved on and then having those interactions through those surveys. It's live feedback and it's it's just a great way of connecting with with your people in in a different mechanism with a different channel. Yeah. 
And then I guess looking at how those metrics then relate to business performance as opposed to previously it was probably business performance and that's it and then do whatever you had to do to improve the business performance without actually going, well, hang on, there's something going on with the people, therefore the business metrics might be different or might be suffering and going, how do we solve the people first and then the metrics or then the dollars as opposed to that other way around. Yeah, and I think what it does is it sends a really strong message as well that people matter. So I think that there is historically a quite a strong perception within organisations that profit come over people. And I think that's mm. that's always been the perception that, you know, the business doesn't care about us, that yeah. all they care is about the money and making, you know, the profits and so forth. Where I think if you are able to make those connections and really engage people, especially from a leadership team, right through, through management, you know, different levels of management, then what it's doing is sending some really strong messages that profit is important because we're here to make profit. Let's not mm-hmm. mistake that. Yeah. But and that's true for nonprofits as well. You still have to come up with a surplus in a nonprofit. Exactly. Exactly. But our people are also really important as well. And I yeah. think that's that helps with that perception that people can have that it's only about profits. But then yeah. I think as well that leaders need to back themselves up. I think that and and to do that, they need to invest. They need to invest in the right recruitment, in in the right benefits and in the right career pathways and so forth. And that does take financial investment. So I think that talking about our people are important, talking about putting people first is absolutely fantastic, but you need to back yourself up. Yeah. Yeah, it's like anything to do with mental health let's say it's not a checkbox exercise it's genuinely not just like people talk about well-being and I go that's kind of the bog standard (laughs) people should be well at work we shouldn't be doing harm we want people to thrive at work it's not just enough for people to be well we want them to thrive enjoy like you said before we want them to engage and be happy at work because then you get the business results as as a result absolutely So I can't, I mean, in my naive little empathy world, I don't see a downside, but we're getting, we're sort of, I'm learning about what it is that people, what are, what the resistance is that people have to these concepts. And I think it comes around that fear and vulnerability piece. Yeah. So I think education is really important, Leanne, and people having a really clear understanding of what it is. And what it isn't. Yeah. And and I think that if people have a really clear understanding of, of that, then people are going to be much more open to learning more about it for themselves and also for other people as well. Yeah. So, I, it, you know, it, like anything, education is so important. And, and yeah. you know, people just want to know. I mean, get people involved. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it, you know, you it becomes a problem or an issue when it's done in isolation and people don't know what's going on. That is when it becomes a problem. But if you start to involve people and start to have these different types of conversations, then, you know, that's when people start to sort of get interested in, in, you know, what does that mean? And then, then the conversations and it starts to sort of evolve from there. Yeah. And I think it also demonstrates your intent as well. I mean, it's one thing to offer yoga on a Friday and go, oh, yeah, they're just offering yoga on a Friday because 
they think it's a good idea as opposed to hang on my organization genuinely values me as a human mm. they offer an eap they offer yoga they treat me as though i matter yeah that's a you would have a very different perception then of the things that are offered if you know as an individual that you are important and of value to that organization as opposed to eh they treat me like crap but hey they offer yoga on a friday yeah, but that's inconsistencies too. So I think oh, that there absolutely. needs to be, yeah, there needs to be consistency around the messaging, consistency around the approach, and everyone needs to be on board. I mean, yeah. all you need is one person that that's not engaged or not on board from a leadership perspective, and it can throw the whole the whole yeah. you know boat boat over. So yeah. everyone needs to be on board with it. Yeah, and like you said before, that's part of the advantage of having HR on that leadership strategy team having HR at that leadership team going, no, 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 let's look at this from a different perspective. Let's look at Absolutely. this from a people perspective. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, if you think about if you think about the dynamics of who's sitting at their table, you've got finance, which is the finance team, which is is directly managing the, the profit and loss. You've got operations that actually drive the, the performance of it from a profit and loss, sales that are bringing in the money. But who's actually representing the people mm. of the organisation and actually has a say of, you know, what employees are actually wanting? What are they looking for? what what motivates them what what makes them engaged and and yeah. and that's where i think hr has a really key role in in being that voice and having that influence in the leadership space but also too if you've built those relationships within the business you can also have really some really key influence down at a business level as well so yeah. it's it's really important yeah and looking at i guess the human impact of some of the decisions that the other players around the table would have like positive and negative or hang on have you thought about the impact of this yeah so let's talk now about takeaways so what do you want in terms of empathy and hr what do you want the public to know like the workers the staff what do you want them to know about hr some of the important things to reflect on is really around understanding that HR has really transitioned over the, the last, say, 10, 15 years. And like I mentioned previously, you know, it's it's really moved away from that historical carrot and stick kind of scenario that everyone sort of envisions HR to be. So I think that HR is is shifting towards a much more collaborative and and innovative way to engage with people within the business. And I think this is really important that at the end of the day, you know, HR are also people. You know, we want to be able to do the best that we can for our, for individuals within the business. We also want to do the best that we possibly can for the business itself. So I think that it's much more than just compliance monitoring. It's, it's really around putting people at the centre of what we do. And I think that's I suppose just one thing I think that public or workers can sort of reflect on is that we're really there to to, to help enable them to yeah. be the best and to be as successful at what they do. And that's, I think, a primary role that HR has within the business. Yeah. What do you want other HR professionals to know? Look, I think it's really important that we look after ourselves. 
So I think, you know, I think emotionally the, the role can be very taxing and, and depending on the different situations, sort of have to turn yourself on and off through a course of a day. So again, you know, find an outlet that helps centre you, you know, make time for this outlet. Ensure that you have someone that you can confide in and don't sort of isolate yourself. Don't put so much pressure on yourself to be as perfect as you possibly can in HR. I think that sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves that it can be unhealthy. So it's really that self-caring piece of it is really important. Understand your limits. Understand when you just sometimes just need to take a little bit of time out and step back. Don't be afraid to ask for help from other people in HR as well. Build your networks, build your supports up as well. And if you're not sure, then, you know, go to your networks and go to your sports and, and learn from them as well because I think there's a lot of wealth of knowledge within the industry. And I think it's important that you sort of, you, you learn and, and share your experiences with each other. Yeah. And finally, what would you like leadership to know? So, look, I, I think from... A leadership perspective, it's it's really around perception is really important, I think. And I, I think perception is not given enough attention within businesses. And it's that managing of perception of an us and them type of relationships between leadership or management and the rest of the the rest of the business. So I think that empathy is a a, a really good tool that can be used in order to, to break down those barriers and really be able to make some genuine connections that I think is really important within a business. So from a leadership perspective, you know, sometimes it's it's about putting your ego aside and just being real with your people, just getting to know them, getting to understand them, do those walkabouts, leave that office and 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 walk down on that shop floor and, and get to know who your people are because I think you'd just be amazed at what you can actually learn when you you put that aside and start to really form relationships at different levels within the business. Yeah, absolutely. Emma Evans, you are pure delight. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I've learned, I've, honestly, I've learned so much today. Things obviously have changed a lot in the 15 years since I was in government. There's obviously a lot of work to do, but it doesn't sound like it's insurmountable. It sounds like if people are ready and they are brave and they are willing to do the self-reflection, then the benefits for the individual, the benefits for the team, the benefits for the business seem to be limitless. Yeah, yeah. I, I just say have the courage, have the courage to do it from a leadership yeah. perspective, but also an HR perspective. You know, yeah. have the courage to have those conversations, have the courage to think outside the box, to do things differently. Yeah, is I suppose the, the, the final thing that I that I want to leave you with. Perfect. Thank you so much, Emma. I'll talk to you soon. You're welcome, Leanne. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Emma. What a fascinating discussion. I've really learned a lot. Like I said, my experience of HR is 15 years ago working for the government. So obviously things have evolved. They've got a long way to go. But the first step is always self-reflection, courage, bravery by those working in HR to get interested in this, to learn the value of empathy. Now, if you would like to learn more about the fundamentals of empathy, the why, the what, the how, the self-care, 
please go to empathyfirst.com.au and look for my empathy training, my empathy fundamentals course. We also have a free course in how to write emails with empathy. So that's a free mini course that you can take as well. My name's Leanne Butterworth. This was the Empathy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me.